everybody, whether you're the president of a company or the paperboy, everybody has the exact same amount of time. You and I both have 24 hours a day. No more, no less. The question is, what do you do with your time? Real quick, my friends, go get my new book. It's called The Power to Publish. And it's at the top of the page of zbooks.co at the link, my new book. And it's going to help you with all of your self-publishing needs. Okay, back to that podcast. Welcome to ZBooks Successful Authors Podcast. And with me, I have Carolyn Hartley, the author and publisher of a new number one bestseller on Amazon, Reconciliation, a Tone the Devil in Buried Sunshine. Hi, Carolyn. How are you doing? Eric, I'm great. I'm so glad to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, me too. Murphy's Law struck again. Huh? We took us 30 minutes to finally get it together. <laughs> Smart people. Yep. But where are you now? I'm in South Carolina. I'm in a little place, uh, kind of a big lake called Lake Murray. It's in the okay. middle of the South, uh, the middle of uh, South Carolina. And we're about maybe 90 minutes or so from the coast. And how's the weather? The weather is chilly today, hmm. but uh, chilly to us means 57 degrees. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, um, it's colder here right now. Winter's <laughs> coming. Uh, winter's coming in Germany. We had snow the other day, but it, you know, it, it melted right away. So, Okay. So you've got a new number one release. You're an author and a publisher. So wait, before we get into the book, what about your publishing? You're a publisher too? I am, Eric. Thanks for asking. I've been a publisher since 1985. Ooh. And I started out as a book packager. So a book packager yeah. is like an outsourced department, a publishing department. And it started mainly with um, McGraw-Hill and uh, Prentice mm. Hall, Houghton Mifflin, mainly because they didn't have the resources in-house to do all of the work. And so they would send it out to, to my little company and say, how far can you take this? Or they'd say, this is the subject we want. Go find someone to write it. Uh, if you can design it, set it up with a, with an imaging group so that they can pull it all together into old-fashioned software, which is, you know, not even used anymore, Pork Express. Um, and so whatever they needed to have done, that's what we would do for them. Hmm, then, interesting. Uh, it, it, was, uh, it was fascinating. And sometimes it, was, it even included marketing. So if a, a publishing house had a book and they really believed that it was going to be a good, strong seller, and that was almost all nonfiction, okay? Hmm. Hmm. Hardly ever fiction. Um, but if they had a, a book that they thought was going to be, that was going to do really well and they needed to get it into, say, the, um, the community colleges or into, um, into a university or whatever, then we would help with the marketing of that especially in the United States. Most of these companies were in the U.S. Interesting. So you probably know the story. Oh, man, I forgot his name. The famous book packager in, in New York. He's like 50 years ago, he started a company 
and he did A B tests with the book covers. All he did was change the covers and package them different, and he made bestsellers all the time. Do you remember this was a long time ago? You know who that was? I don't remember his name, but it's a great strategy because just yeah. by changing the cover, you can change mm -hmm. the sales. Yeah, I'm going to find that one out. It's a great story. And um, yeah, so what got you into writing then? Well, I started in writing. Um, that was about in 80, 1985 as well. Uh, well, a little bit earlier than that, but I liked healthcare and I loved the healthcare consumers. I, I like their stories. Uh, and I was also, um, my training is in investigative journalism. And so that kind of helped with a lot of the research that I needed for the novels. But, um, but I wasn't very good at first <laughs> as, a, as a writer. So I decided to go get a master's degree. That helped quite a bit too, because the pressure was on to do quite a bit more. So Eric, I've got my master's degree in medical, in, um, medical anthropology. Ooh, heavy <laughs> and philosophy which means yeah. uh you know how, how did we do what we did and why did we do what we were mm -hmm. doing back in the you know the dark ages or in the current technology era as well and it just allowed me to ask a lot of questions and the deeper i got into journalism the more i heard stories going in my head and the more i wanted mm -hmm. to know well what's your story and and there's some people who just made such an impact on me, on my life. And I wanted to know more things about them, Eric, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't write what I knew. So I decided to change it up a little bit and add some of those characters and make them into fiction. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, you, I don't remember who said it, but they said, you will be remembered by your stories. And uh, nonfiction doesn't cut it. You know, no. so you got a, a rich history, though. So you were an investigative journalist. Oh, boy, uh, I'm going to not talk about politics, but uh, because we know journalism has taken a hit in the last, I don't know, eight years. It's gotten a bad name. Right. And uh, so who is my favorite journalist right now is Glenn Greenwald. Who's yours? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> my, my oldest favorite, favorite of all was Eric Severide. I loved okay. the way that he covered World War II. Uh, I just liked his voice, Walter Cronkite. I'm going way back. My current journalist, the, I think the one that is my favorite is, um, you know, I like Savannah Guthrie because she's, mm -hmm. so, she's, so over, uh, she's so cordial and yet she's a lawyer. <laughs> So mm -hmm. it, it comes right down to nailing her, her, uh, her, um, the subject of her interview. She, she, she asks all those questions with a smile, you know, and, and then the person <laughs> on the other side is almost obligated to smile back and say, nah, not, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to look her up. Sounds familiar. Uh, I'm probably up. The, uh, the Today Show co-host. Oh, okay. Okay. On, on yeah. So, yeah, transitioning from nonfiction to fiction is one of my personal challenges. So uh, how did you do that? <laughs> yeah, um, it, let me just say that writing nonfiction is such a good training ground for writing fiction because you're always on deadline when you're doing nonfiction. 
it is, um, you have to write tight in nonfiction as well. So fiction allows you to do a little bit more free thinking and free writing, but fiction in my category, which is historical fiction, fiction requires so much research, historical fiction. And I love, mm -hmm. I love the research part of things. Yeah. Uh, you, um, I think it's easier to write nonfiction just because you have to keep it true. Generally speaking, you have to keep it true and you have to look for quotes. Fiction, when I started writing fiction, I was starting to um, footnote everything. And mm. my, my first editor, my first agent said, you know, get those, get those footnotes out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do don't that. do that. You gotta go back yeah. to your nonfiction, you know, your journal. Exactly. But I do keep a bibliography for every uh, fiction book that I do now, just uh, just to make sure that people know that the research is back there. Um, I think one of the best things I get to do is to do a lot more free thought. So in fiction, I can write a whole lot of junk knowing that I can come back in as the editor and I make an appointment with my editor, don't come back until two o'clock in the afternoon. Otherwise she'll sit right there on my shoulder and she'll see, she just said that, you know, that's not true. Um, so I make an appointment with her to come back and she shows up every afternoon at two o'clock. I can count on it. Cool. But then, <laughs> but, that's but accountability. <laughs> well, that's, that's from journalism, do you know? Mm -hmm. It's uh, you got to be accountable. Somebody's going to call your editor in chief and say, "Where did you get this story?" And um, and and who are the um, you know who are your resources? So uh, between me and my editor in chief, we would know who the resources were, but we didn't always reveal them. And in you know, for his historical fiction, you can also charge more on Amazon. They're they're typically one to two dollars more than a well, I don't know a, a, a normal romance or fiction science fiction book. So historical fiction is a, is a really good category in Amazon. Yeah. I like hearing that. Mm. So yeah, you just jumped up. You just add a dollar to your price. You know, look at the other books uh, in romance and then whatever. Add a dollar to your price easily. Well, uh, easy. well I like that, that international um, pricing point, you know. I mm. think that's great. I'm not sure that yeah. in the States we all agree with that, but, you know, I'll give it a try. Yeah, well, you can see all the other books in historical fiction, and you'll see they are uh, consistently more expensive than science fiction, romance, etc. So, and well, I tell us about your book, finally. Yeah. <laughs> tell us about the story here. <laughs> well, I'd love to tell you about it. So these yeah. are people who I worked with in my investigative journal days. Oh. But they take, they take on the character of multiple char characters. So while... So this was my first, this is my first book, and this is Redemption. Redemption kicked it off is the first book in the Buried Sunshine story, in the in the Buried Sunshine series. Buried Sunshine is coal. Ah, so, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Uh, so this is the the redemption was the first time that we saw Adele and Adele Christina Dawson. She is the oldest. Uh, sibling of multiple stepchildren. So she's got half brothers and sisters and this, and it takes place during the depression where her mother died giving birth to the youngest child. 
reconciliation, however, I love this picture of Adele. I just, you know, she's straight out of a, a, a photo. She's straight out of a Photoshop, but Is I that, wish she would have looked like this, you know? I, I think yeah. she did. But where did you get the photo? I'm sorry? Where did you get the photo? I bought it from Shutterstock. Oh, okay. Okay. Might, might have known her or something. That might be a, but uh, yeah, cool. You might know her, yeah. but you know, she was the model and she put her, you know, so you, I paid, you know, Shutterstock to be able to put her in print. Yeah. And Shutterstock, don't come after me because I paid for it. <laughs> yeah. um, but now she is, she is back in West Virginia. And so Adele is the child who was born into wealth. So it's kind of a rags to riches story, but it's riches to rags, actually, the story. And then she finds her way to come back into riches again. But along the way, she finds secrets about her family that she never knew about. This is her birth family. So she's finding out that her family not only owned a coal mine in southern West Virginia, but it's loaded with extortion and greed mm. <laughs> and love you know, a lot of the, the um, corruption that was going on in her family. And at 19 years old, she inherits a coal mine because everybody else in her family is dead. So it's at the beginning of World War II and her job now is to stabilize this coal mine. But her stepfather, who was originally from West Virginia, he doesn't want to have anything to do with her. So he's trying to sabotage everything that she does. And she's got, and, and she has deadlines that she has to meet because it's because Great Britain, you know, in coal, United mm -hmm. States provide a lot of coal, which they burnt into, which they melted into steel. And they were, they were hungry. Great Britain and Europe was hungry for steel for the United mm -hmm. States at the beginning of World War II. So tremendous amounts of research in coal. And that was one of the things um, as I was researching it, as I was learning about coal, I wanted Adele to learn about coal as well. So I had to fill myself with a lot of information so that she could learn about it through the story. That's cool. And that's not all. There's also eight other children. There are. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's very, that's very depression habit. And that is lots of children, especially in a farming community, we're going to have to get more kids along here. But in order to keep them safe and to keep them in, in order, their, uh, Adele's mother named all of her children in alphabetical order. So there's <laughs> Adele, and then there's the twins, Benita and Brianna, and Colette, and Deirdre, Alicia, Faye, Giles died in childbirth, Howard died in childbirth, and Isaac is still a living. So when I'm counting all the kids, I go A, B, B, C, D. <laughs> so I have yeah. to remember how many children there are, but they all have their own personality in reconciliation. So in doing this book, that's one of the things that my, uh, my editor said, there's a lot of kids in here, you've got to give them a personality. So but worked hard to make sure that all the girls and one boy, mm. bless his heart, all the <laughs> girls had their own, their own idiosyncrasies. Yeah. I was reading a little of your book, by the way. And oh, um, cool. she, um, she's not too happy or doesn't understand why her mother had so many kids with this new dude. Right. 
Yes, that's right. So, um, <laughs> but we solved that problem at the end of redemption. That's one of the comments that I got from almost all of the readers. Why did she marry this guy? So I had to write a book to explain why she married him. And, um, and he, because there was so much extortion in the early days, he was mm -hmm. actually her original rescuer. He was the <laughs> one when her first, when, um, when Selma, that's the mother, when Selma died in, in um, or when she got in trouble in West Virginia, August Beck, who we don't necessarily like too much, August Beck is the one who said, I will take you away from West Virginia, away from this corruption, and I will give you a new life in Missouri. But along the line, along the way, you know, he met up with a lot of problems. He met up with, the, you know, the Great Depression and huge flooding. Um, mm -hmm. farmers have to put up with a lot of flooding issues, especially along the Mississippi River. So flooding, depression, you know, he just was a sourpuss after, um, hmm. after having all of these things go wrong. And that's when he started being pretty abusive. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Sounds like tension. <laughs> well, it's what, uh, you know, it's the plot. And when you're talking yeah. about fiction, you know, there's so many yeah. different pieces that come together in fiction, whereas in nonfiction, it's pretty flat. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't yeah. say that because I'm going to get this, I get a ton of me emails from nonfiction writers. <laughs> um, but nonfiction, especially when you're trying to do educational, it, it's, it's, this is what's going on. And this is, this is how you do it. This is how you manage stuff. Whereas in fiction, you've got all these different dimensions, you know, you got to have the plot, you have to have continuity and you can't, you know, you can't have one character with blue eyes one day and brown eyes, you know, later on. And so there's, there's just a lot of things to watch for. Yeah. So, well, without giving away too much of, of the book, did you use a template like the hero's journey or the three act play, something like that? I, I did not use a template um, and, I, and I don't use templates when I'm writing fiction so far. It doesn't mean I'm not going to at some point, but uh, what I do is um, I use sticky notes, Eric. And so um, every time my character, I'm sorry, my characters talk to me. And so I was in the middle of writing something and, you know, and Benita, who is the sassier of the two twins, Benita came back to me and said, that's not what happened. So, <laughs> cool. Well, the voice is in your head. What did happen? Yeah. <laughs> so she did. So I've got all these sticky notes and, uh, and I, uh, as ideas come to me, then I write them on the sticky notes and I put them on the wall. And I know you can't see my wall, but I'm looking at it. Um, and so when I move, it's almost like doing a screenplay. You know, as, I, as they do something yeah. new, I'll move their particular activity into act one, act two, or act three. Mm -hmm. And the denouement, or, you know, the, the final ending has got to be something that is so compelling, people are willing to, um, to stay with the novel until the end of it. That's like storyboarding. That's what fiction writing is. Yeah, cool. Just writing a story, storyboarding. So, um, okay, then what that what happens um, in in this story? I mean, you don't have to give away any anything if you don't want to. But then what? So then she's learning about coal and all of her family's secrets. She finds it like basically a treasure chest, and then uh, okay, then what happens? Yeah. Well, she's going to have to deal with her stepfather. 
you know mm. so um she does she does find the love of her life mm. uh, so you know the good news is that at 20 years old she she finally gets that's the that's the uh, epilogue she gets to get married um and um and the best part the hardest part for me was to make sure that she made friends with her sisters again so i wanted her sisters to pile up and be helpful to her because in redemption they were pretty unkind to her she was a rich little you know girl who mm. was a little snobby and and had to had to come to terms with being a, a girl who lived in poverty whereas her sisters were born in poverty what drives adele is that she understood the love of her mother and the and the and she knew what it was like to grow up with affluence and she knew what it was like to have affluence taken away from her so what she wants to do in reconciliation is to show that same love to her sisters and in return they start loving her back to a point that they um, are willing to protect her when she's under attack Interesting. so you know, there's a uh, book three coming and um, great in book three, so that you know the books are redemption, reconciliation, and the third book is rebellion, because mm -hmm. Benita, the twin, if you you know if you've read a little bit, you get to know that Benita is the one who's got attitude, attitude, mm -hmm. and so um, Benita is uh, is going to be the focus of most of book three. Uh, there mm -hmm. was. Um, a lot of uh, attention in the United States around uh, the civil rights movement, even as far back as 1929 to 1935. And Benita was an advocate for all the all the uh, migrant farmers that came up from the South. And she she walked alongside of many of the migrant farmers. And now she wants to stand up for them. Cool. Thank you. Cool. Oh, yeah. So what what year does it take place? This um, it was the shareholders' protest, and that was in 1939. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's we're not going to move too far into uh, into yeah. World War II. I, I'm not ready yeah. to research all of World War II. I want to get on to writing some short stories, or, or at least publishing some short stories. It's a it's a tough question, isn't it? Because if you start um, writing about World War II in the book, then you kind of have to finish it. <laughs> right it's a huge topic you know so uh what was that Chekhov's gun if it's on the mantle in the scene it has to be used later on in the book so if you right. start talking about World War II I don't know uh, that's that's going to be a challenge huh I'm not going to go into that because there are so many people who are wise about what happened in World War II I mm. want to lead up to it I want to get us I want to lead up to what happened in a, in a, that would sort of from a, the from a very um, isolated story from a family's perspective, I can lead up into what it was like for them to get into World War II. But once we get into the real the real um, the real facts of, of that event, I'm going to leave that to the experts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough. Um, right. I, I ventured into fiction, too. And uh... Well, that's a different story, but it's, I love it. I, I love it. I'm, but what do you like about writing fiction? Well, the world building and stuff like that and uh, the imagination and uh, 
that kind of stuff. But uh, that's a different story. That's because my number one thing is kids books. And it's not about me. It's about you today. So, <laughs> okay. All right. We'll get yeah. back on focus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. But I, I, I share your enthusiasm of fiction. I'm, I'm just chomping at the bit. I got so many, actually, I published a couple of fictions too, but I didn't uh, publish my big novel yet. And that's 80% done, but um, I'm making money with the kids books. So I okay. should be making more kids books. And it's the fiction is secondary, but it's funner. <laughs> but isn't it fun that kids are reading? Isn't yeah. that rewarding for you? That oh, yeah. When you get a, uh, an email directly from a customer saying, when's the next book? Or thank you. You, you taught my kid to read. Holy cow, man. Oh. I'm saving all of those. I'm, I'm going to print some out and put them on the wall. And it's like, yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. Last year, or was it two years ago? I said, okay, I'm going to give kids books a pause and start the fiction. Oh, and I got hooked. And then in came mails from nowhere said, hey, where's the next kids book? Oh, yeah, uh, I'm right. I'm on it. (laughs) You know, know? but it was so cool because usually my readers never directly contacted me by email. So I was just knocked off my rocker, you know, and it's like, and then, yeah, it's, it's great, huh? When you get that kind of feedback and one guy asking uh, one woman asking specifically about a specific book when's that book coming out we're waiting for it and little johnny's waiting for the books oh oh i gotta get on it you know (laughs) yeah well that's exciting too because in fiction in i mean there's children's books and the children become so loyal i just remember Mm -hmm. in my early career of studying and that is the children's book authors loved their audience and their their audience was staying with them all the way through through childhood and young adulthood Mm. Um, in fiction you know your your readers will will be okay for the first book but the second book is when the second and the third book is when it really kicks in that's when Mm. the sales really start coming in interesting yeah it's that's interesting you got to know your audience so kids books are also challenging because your readers are not the buyers you got to the parents have to like it too because they're buying it right but the you have to please the kids and the parents you know and uh uh yeah it's 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 challenging sounds like you've been doing some research too with your audience huh I have, uh, I, I know about who the, um, who the majority of readers are coming through on the, on the sequel though, Eric, one of the biggest surprises is how international the sales were. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm getting reviews on Amazon from Australia. Yeah. Cool. Huh? <laughs> I love that. You know, Australia yeah. and, <clears throat> and Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, that really, it, that's amazing to me. I, I think that part of it was having a great promoter who was, who was able to um, really do a good job of getting the book out in the market. I mean, it's only been out since January 4th, and here we are February uh, you know, 2nd, and, and it's already sold more than 3,500 copies. Nice, so nice. I think you yeah. know, it, it, it has a lot to do with being a second book not a first. First books are tough to promote, but second mm. ones really come through for you. So I'm, I'm I was, looking forward to keeping it going. I was looking on Amazon. It's still number one in several categories. I think it's good, doing good. Good job there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Are you building you. your email list and talking to your readers? 
I am talking to the readers. Uh, I'm trying to build the email list my, um, from my business. Uh, I, I've got such an extensive email list and none of them really care about fiction. So I've got to start all over again. You know, they care more yeah. about healthcare. Uh, so yeah, exactly. That's what happened with me in kids' books. I have thousands uh, on my other nonfiction, and I have about 100 in my kids' books <laughs> list. So, That's a good start. But, uh, I'm proud hey, of they're you. the best. They're hundreds. the best. What? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. But marketing, oh, boy, we can go off on a tangent there, too. What do you do about writer's block? Uh, you know, uh, writer's block to me is that um, I don't have anything to say. That's when I get writer's block. So what I do is I sit down. This is, um, this is an exercise that I learned from a creative writing expert. And that is sit down and start typing that says, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> That's what I type. I don't have anything to say. Adele, you're here someplace. I don't know where you are, but if you'll talk to me, I, I will type something about it. And so I work my way through. I don't have anything to say because I let my characters start talking to me. Interesting. That's I've never heard that method before. You're going to have to name it. <laughs> Make a nonfiction book about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid somebody taught me how to do that. Well, <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, you'll have to take rename it. For it. But, you know, um, usually it's because you're afraid you're going to be writing something that's junk. And so if you go into it saying, I'm writing junk, then you, later on, nobody really knows the junk you wrote because you're not going to show it to them. Yeah. It's just that that's how you get through the block. Hmm. And, and um, I have something to say. Yeah. And, and uh, how long did it take to write your book? How many words is it? Oh, my gosh. Well, let me tell you. This book, Redemption, took me 34 years. Whoa. <laughs> Are you serious? I started it in 19, I believe I started it in 1985 or so, 1987. And I didn't publish it in 2000, until 2017. But wow. a lot of life events got in the way. This so what's that, draft two, nine, what? Go ahead. Yeah, this one took two years. Okay, because I already had my characters established. I already knew what was going on. But Eric, you know, in the first book, I wanted to kill August Beck. <laughs> yeah. Father, so I did. I killed him, you know, I had him. And then my agent said, um, you can't kill him. He's, uh, he's too important part of the book, of, of the series. So yep. I, I just had a tractor run over him. <laughs> That's cool. I'm loving it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he came back and had a lot more children, you know, so yeah, um, yeah. then uh, the, uh, I wanted something, I wanted some other things to happen to him. I wanted Adele to not be the key. And again, the agent mm -hmm. said, no, Adele, it's got to be a struggle between Adele and her stepfather. That's the main theme for all of your books. You got to make sure that all three of them are, you know, uh, that nobody dies in the middle mm -hmm. of it. I have a precious little girl in the in the in this in this book. She's the F. She's the um, Bay. She's mm -hmm. number uh, I think six or seven or so, and um, and she was she was damaged um, in birth, so she has um, she has some mental deficiencies. But I love her. In book mm -hmm. one, when I was writing it the first time, she died, and mm -hmm. so I came back and said, "You can't die. I have yeah. to have you." So she's still alive. You know, she she was talking to me and she said, you can't kill me. I, I want to be a part of this story. So 
Faye is moving yeah. on. She's staying. Yeah, with that's that's tough. You can't have it. You uh, J.R. Tolkien killed off Boromir in the third or second <laughs> book, but yeah, you you yeah you can't have everybody live in in, in a book like that either. Somebody, I mean, they're warriors. Somebody's got to die, you know. And if yeah. uh, yeah, I, I got that out of your book too. A lot of uh, the main theme is between Adele and her stepfather, right? right. And uh, so your agent uh, was good. He he gave or she gave you some good advice there. So she did. She did a great job. Yeah. So tell us about your other bestsellers. That was interesting. It's nonfiction, medical law, and technology. Tell us about your other bestsellers. Uh, so in my career, after uh, in my professional career, uh, one of the things that I do is I'm, I'm an expert witness. And oh, yeah. So I go into trials and um, mm -hmm. usually non-testifying expert witness. So I work with uh, lawyers and. Mm -hmm. and in what um, in what uh, oh, realm? In healthcare technology. Oh, OK, OK. Usually cool. defending hospitals uh, when somebody is coming in and saying you made a mistake on my on my record or you made a mistake in my care, um, then we work with doctors. But um, but during the time that I was working with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and I was traveling the country, um, trying to get doctors to adopt at least healthcare technology. Um, there were people in my family that got really sick uh, and they died. So I was a primary caregiver for my mom and my dad, um, but my brother and my sister also passed away from cancer. And so what I saw is so many similarities in how the caregiver was taking care of the family and trying to use technology. So the... Um, the book that was a bestseller is called The Caregiver's Toolbox. It is all about mobile technology. It's about resources. Don't reinvent being a caregiver. You have many thousands, thousands of people who have walked this journey before you. You're not the first one, but you feel like you're the first one when you're the caregiver because you're, the, you're all the person has. So this was an enormous amount of research to try to figure out what tools, what technology tools could be on, could be on my cell phone that I could access right away, make sure mm -hmm. that I was doing the best job possible taking care of my loved one. And um, when it came out on uh, the number one hot new release for nine consecutive weeks. Wow, cool. And that was in two different categories. So I, that was that was exciting. It's still um, on the back list. And that was published by Roman and, and Littlefield. And when was this? That was in 2015. Nice. So caregivers yeah. toolbox, huh? Right. Interesting. And, um, what else that is part of my um, is part of my previous writing. I was a managing editor and um, that's the healthcare investigative journalism part. So the American Medical Association called and said, we've got a lot of books that we need. We need you to package for us. So, oh, OK, um, so I was packaging the books for them and, and they were all about um, privacy and security. I like Interesting. That better, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about fiction, you know? Yeah. Well, so we can get back to fiction. How, how do you write a good character? 
Oh, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I need to know <laughs> yeah. for my book. <laughs> so a good character has to have a flaw. And it's usually um, a, a flaw that could take them down. It could mm -hmm. put them out of business. Uh, but I like them to be, to have, um, I, I want them to come to me with a problem. So, you know, when I'm creating a character, I already have a pretty good idea of what their problem is. It's that I don't necessarily want to have all of my problems exposed, but I need for them to feel like it's okay for them to let other people know quietly what, what their struggle is. So the character um, has to be at least partially likable have a problem that they cannot overcome by themselves. They need to have somebody else. They have to be, um, do you remember the story of Joseph down in, you know, in, in the Bible, it's in Genesis. Remember that Joseph is mm. put into a pit and there's yeah. no way out, mm. no way out. So yeah. that's the kind of, that's the kind of character I like. You're down in mm. the pit. There's no way out. <laughs> How are you going to get out? Didn't his brother sell him to the Pharaoh or something? Yes, they sold him to the, uh, I think it was the uh, Midianites. Yeah, Better yeah. look that up, Carolyn. I'm not sure you can. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> We're in trouble now. Yeah, yeah that's right. But his brothers did sell him. That's right. And that was, yeah. that was one of the ways that he got out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good story, by the way. But yeah, okay. That's a good tip also. Uh, I, I know it's a, not a fair question because how do you write a good character? I mean, that, <laughs> you can write a book on that one too. Everybody's oh my gosh. Got, and I think many people have done that too, how to write a good mm -hmm. character. Um, uh, you know, uh, several, I'll tell you, Southern writers love hmm. characters. Hmm. So if hmm. you get a chance to, you know, get into, get into who the character really is, they've got to have a certain way that they talk a certain way that they move. Um, and uh, it, it just, uh, sometimes when I get so involved in a character, it's because I've seen them, I've known them yeah. in my life. And yeah. there's a part of me that I love. You know, there's mm -hmm. part of me that I love about that person. So I want to honor them. At the same time, I want to put them in a pit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the probably the best author that I read, uh, it was Ayn Rand. I mean, uh, her character development is the whole story, actually. And uh, yeah, anyways, not everybody likes her books. Some of her books are really long, but um, yeah. some of them are very good, too. So what? Um, so who's your favorite author? Oh, you know, I, I love um, John Irving. Mm -hmm. I, like, uh, I like his fiction. I like the Cider House Rules. That's mm -hmm. one of my favorite books. Um, but, you know, contemporary, I really like Kristen Hanna. And uh, okay. I, I like her historical fiction. She writes, uh, uh, you know, she she did uh, one of the best stories that she did was Nightingale, the Nightingale. That was a huge bestseller. Uh, and then, um, you know, I like um, I, I like stories that are that women write. And I like mm -hmm. stories about uh, fiction. I like stories about a woman who just is strong. She has gone mm -hmm. through a lot of. Uh, a lot of issues and, and come out uh, in a better place because of that. When it comes to nonfiction, I mean, I live in, I live in South Carolina. I love Pat Conroy. 
love okay. his books, you know, and uh, my mm-hmm. husband keeps trying to get uh, property on Dufusky Island. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, Pat I'm not Conroy. Sure we're do that. Jefusky Island is is um, one of the first places where he went to teach. Um, oh, he okay. would go there by boat, and uh, so his um, one of the uh, that was Conrack. Uh, I don't know if you remember the movie Conrack, but it was uh, one of the first uh, movies that was made about uh, about uh, Pat Conroy. Hmm. So Interesting. His, his book is all about his reading life. And what I like about that is he talks about the books that he chose to read. And mm. it kind of gives me a, a, an overview of books that I'd like to read as well. Yeah, so many books. huh? I've been devouring audiobooks lately uh, because, uh, yeah, not enough time. Yeah, yeah. So are you going to take your stories? Are you going to take any of your um, your fiction into audio, into audible or into audiobooks? Oh, yeah, yeah. When I get around to it, I'm doing that with my kids' books. And um, there's an interesting development, and that is you can publish your audiobooks on YouTube. Now, the problem is you have to have, you have to be monetized. And you can make money with your audiobooks on YouTube also. So you, you have to get uh, to that level, uh, be, especially if you have a new YouTube channel, they have barriers to entry now. I don't know if it's 1,000 or 10,000 before you can monetize your channel, but you have to have for sure over 1,000 subscribers. Wow. And also so many thousand views per day, okay? And then you can monetize your audiobooks on YouTube. And um, I forgot which author was already doing that. Uh, wow. She's posting her results. She's one of a romance author. She's doing pretty well with it, actually. And uh, so I'm doing that with my kids' books. And I will definitely do that with the fiction books once I... As a matter of fact, I already did, actually. <laughs> but not the one I'm writing right now, the, my, my new novel. Uh, yeah. So yes, definitely, definitely. Um, and it's much easier than making videos and stuff because the audio editing tools, they're much faster, much easier to master and stuff. So, oh, yeah. So, good to know. So, yeah, you, you must do audiobooks. That's like it, you have to now, you yeah, know? I, I do. Yeah. And I'm probably yeah. going to put them on Audible because um, I don't know if I'll be, have a thousand subscribers on YouTube. I don't mind having a channel, you know, but I'd like to, yeah. I'd like to get them up there. Some people have said, you know, I'll, I'll listen to your books as soon as soon as you put it on Audible. So, mm. yeah, uh, I've had um, mixed results. You're not going to sell as much audiobooks as your normal, your, your print and your ebooks mm-hmm. in the beginning. Uh, so don't expect to make the same amount of money with your audibles. And I use uh, uh, Findaway Voices from in, in draft to digital. It's easier to use. And another thing is, uh, if you're in Europe, Audible might not even be ex- accessible for you as an author. So I just put everything on Findaway Voices. And uh, it works really well, much easier to use than Audible. But uh you know, you, you, you have to do your research. There's advantages to publishing directly with Amazon and also disadvantages too, because they lock you in for longer. So you really have to read about that. It's like KDP Select. Audible does the same thing. They want you to be select and they lock you into, I forgot how many years it is or months. So be careful before you make that little check mark. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I agree. So Eric, one of the things that I learned is, uh, you know, um, Amazon will assign the um, AISN, which is your um, your online, you know, your ebook, they'll assign an ISBN number for you. If I take the Amazon ISBN number, I can't go anyplace with it. So I purchased, you know, my little company, Jeremy Earl Press, um, will, we have our own book of, of uh, ISBN numbers from our, our broker. But Balker, mm -hmm. uh, and so yeah. we assign we we use our own our own ISBN numbers. That way, we can get it on different locations. You know, we can get it in uh, into um, Ingram's, get it into yeah. in, in different distributors. Whereas Amazon's kind of closed up about that. Boy, we, we're going to have to do another podcast about that because that's another area I want to get into. Haven't gotten into yet is Ingram's and and all the other possibilities and. Yes, yes. So yeah, think about it before you hit that ISBN or the select right. in Audible. Right. What well, um so do you have a favorite book? Of all the books that I've done? No, no, no. Of any book. Oh, of any author. book. Oh gosh. Yes, that would be the Bible. Okay. Okay. Besides the Bible. <laughs> besides the Bible, because that's the number one answer to that question. Okay. So do you have a, a favorite book besides the Bible? Um, whatever book I'm working on right now is my favorite book. Okay, cool. So that's not a, that's yeah. not a, that's kind of a cheesy answer, you know, but, uh, but it is, it's the one that takes up the most time. I'll tell you one of the, one of the best books that I've ever written is, uh, or I mean, that I've ever read is The Nightingale by Kristen. Uh, yeah. That was really, mm -hmm. a, it was a well done book. Uh, you know, as an author, she's written a lot of, um, a lot of books, just that's what we do as authors. We write a lot of books and one or two of them will be spectacular. I just really liked how she managed the Nightingale. Um, and, um, and I'm also re uh, reading a book right now. Uh, well, I don't have it by, beside me. It's not like the storyline is so compelling, but she writes so beautifully. <laughs> and so now I'm going to have to send you the name of this author uh, so that we can, you know, fit it in here later on. But I just yeah, well-written books that are they're kind of slanted towards the literary, but um, but still mm -hmm. have a good uh, that still have a good plot line to them. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, I see a question that you added. What have you noticed about the publishing industry for 2022? <laughs> uh, what I've noticed is that if you write a book and you want an agent to sell it for you, so in 2022, you are going to have to wait three years for it to come out. Hmm. And it used to be a year and a half, but Eric, here's what's going on in the publishing industry. And that is publishers, people, people are reading the, the hardcover books. They, this is making a comeback. Okay, because oh. people like to sit in front of the wherever they are. They like to have something at the beach with them. The problem with taking your your um, device with you to the beach is that the sun gets in your eyes and you can't mm -hmm. and you can't read it so, mm -hmm. unless you've got a new device. Mm -hmm. So the paperbacks, uh, the paperbacks and the hardbacks are coming back because it's part of the collector's item. But the other mm -hmm. thing is that the publishing houses don't have the editorial staff. On, on payroll enough to be able to produce the books fast enough. 
So <laughs> if you write fiction and you sell it through to a publishing house, the publishing house, that's it, great. I love having publishing houses. You know, they're going to be my best friend one of these days. But the publishing houses don't have the bandwidth to edit your fiction. Hmm. They will put a copy editor on your nonfiction. But if you're the expert in an area, I'm an expert in privacy, security, and caregiving. Um, they're going to take my word for it and they're going to challenge a couple of things, but mainly it's just going to go to press the way that we pulled it together. Hmm. Fiction requires, in, in my mind, it, it requires a really good editor. And hmm. those editors are so slammed right now that they just can't take on more books until there's, yeah. a, until there's an opening. So that's why self-publishing, I mean, anybody can self-publish right now. And so I'm not, so I don't like necessarily the idea of self-publishing. I like the idea of going through layers of criticism and making sure that you've got the best book ready to go to market. Don't just publish because you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and you see that also with um, uh uh, the, the recent success, not so recent, uh, Andy Weyer from the Mars uh, the, or Mars and um, uh, Shades of Grey, they all self-published. And when they went up to a certain level, that's when the agents and publishing houses saw them. And um, <clears throat> I also recently interviewed a guy named Benjamin Hardy, who also got a publishing deal. And he says, he said, you have to have uh, your own email list with what did you say? A hundred thousand subscribers before the publishing houses even look at you, you know? So that's what I did. He went out and got it and did it. And, uh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to do all the marketing yourself before they even look at you nowadays. And, uh, yeah, it's tough. Well, you know, Eric, that's why I've, that's why my, so my publishing company, J Merrill press has a, a specific focus, and that is we focus on strong women characters, uh, and that's the that's the most important part uh, to me is that we get women's voices out there. Mm. But um, but the the problem that uh, that I've run into with the with uh, the publishing houses as well is that they don't have um, they, they're not going to take the time to look at like how how many sales you've got until you sold maybe until you've got like a 50 50 thousand dollars that you've uh, that the people have paid for you mm -hmm. so the economy is just so much um higher for the publishing houses to be able to to walk in and pull out some of the books and that's why they're i know that's one of the reasons that they're looking for people with a hundred thousand emails but i mean goodness sakes you that's that's your whole life yeah. you can't you can't you know for you to get a hundred thousand emails yeah. that's crazy so the it's it it is pretty crazy and i keep asking these guys if you have such a large following why would you go to the publisher you're already yeah. you, you know yeah, that's but, a good uh, question well andy wire got a movie deal so but however you can't guarantee that you know and he yeah. and uh, he said well he just wants to write he doesn't want to bother with the other stuff like, okay yeah uh, if, if you can do that uh, but uh that's why he's productive yeah yeah he doesn't have to focus on marketing but yep. I'm sure he had a team of people. So I'm as a small press, I'm outsourcing just like the big companies do. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just outsourcing for two or three books rather than outsourcing for a hundred books. And, mm-hmm. and that's what, you know, that's what the company does. We outsourced a promotion, a, you know, a promotional company, mm-hmm. man, they did a great job. Yeah. And uh, we outsource editing to a, a, a person who hangs her hat on being a really good national editor. And mm-hmm. so it's worth the money to do that. If you're going to be, if you're going to be yeah. published at all. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm going to continue reading your book, but before oh, I do that, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I do that though, I, I, I have to ask you my favorite question. If you could eat dinner with anyone past, present or future, who would it be? Oh, well, let me tell you, I've already gotten a chance to eat dinner with Steven Spielberg. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. And that and did was you really te- fun. Oh, well, you should have told me at the table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would have given you questions for him to ask because I'm I'm unhappy with some of his movies, but that's okay. That was your yeah, dinner. That was a long time ago. <laughs> you know, the other person I'd like to eat dinner with is Noah. Oh, okay. So yeah. Noah, because, you know, I mean, talk about a guy who steps out in a limb and yeah. builds an ark when there's no rain. I mean, we, there wasn't any rain when he built it. It was just- He was crazy. Up from the ground. Well, and they thought he was crazy. Tell his family, no, really, it's going to rain. Yeah. I'm going to build an ark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to have dinner with him sometime and just say, you know, yeah. I, how did you cut down all those trees? Yeah, <laughs> shaved them yeah, into that, a boat. That'd be crazy, huh? I heard it never rains in Egypt or that area, and uh, so why would he build an ark? You know? Yeah. yeah, it was all spring fed until the first rain. You got to have some faith to do that, man, or somebody's talking to you from above, (laughs) hearing voices. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Well, writers never hear voices. You know, we just, we just kind of don't tell anybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a morning routine? I do. It's pretty strict morning routine. So the first thing I do is I get up and I exercise. I work out, I either go for a, a walk for about two miles or maybe two and a half miles, depends on you know how far I feel like going. And then I come back and, and uh, after I've been exercising, then I fill myself up with the word of God. Hmm. And, um, and that's just a whole lot of emotional, because a, a lot of um, words as much as everything else. So in between those two things, I uh, eat breakfast and take all my vitamins. <laughs> yeah. A few vitamins, you know, just enough to keep me going during the day. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I feel like if I invoke the Holy Spirit to come in to be a part of my life during the day, I'm awake, I'm more alert, and I can tap into that, into that um, spiritual realm that I know that when I'm writing, even though a few cuss words might come out, it's okay. I'm being <laughs> forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Preemptive, a preemptive strike. So yeah. 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 Interesting. Absolutely. You get up early? Not ever on purpose. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I'm usually yeah. moving around by about 730 in the morning. So most mm-hmm. writers get up, you know, if, if they're an early riser, they're going to get up at 530 or six in the morning. I, I just, yeah. I just go back to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Huh? Yeah. I, I tried that. Um, I was in the air force. And so I always, I vowed to never do that again, but I, I can do it, but I never liked it. And uh, you gravitate towards your natural time. So I think so. so too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so. need the motivation from the sun. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, important. Vitamin D, super duper important in these COVID times, you know. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's playing a bigger and bigger role they're finding out. And uh, yeah. anyway, so what's the one question you wish people would ask you, but don't? Yeah, um, you know, I, um, I had to think about that one for a while. I saw that. And the one question is, um, where do your characters come from? So uh, only English teachers ask me that. Uh huh. <laughs> and uh -huh. I appreciate the question. Characters come from people who have made an impact on my life. Uh, you know, um, so Adele is uh, in, in this in the series, Adele is a combination of multiple young ladies who my daughter befriended when she was young and she didn't, uh, she's 46 or so now, but when she was a child, she had such an open heart that um, she didn't see class, she didn't see status, she didn't see labels and didn't understand anybody who did have to wear, you know, whatever the Britney Spears, the Jordash, or, you know, whatever is the mm. current label right now. She just looked at the person for who that person is. And I loved the people she got to know because of that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So char my characters come a lot from her childhood friends because mm. they were just so honest. And and they would um, they would show they would they wouldn't necessarily showcase their pain. They would sort of be honest and and forthright about that really hurt. And hmm. now I can see why it would why it would hurt them. Hmm. So I want to be um, I want to be a much more compassionate person when I'm when I'm writing about my characters. So I love it when somebody says, "Where did she come from?" Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's important. Huh? That's interesting. Well, and I'm gonna have to read your book some more. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh, so thanks. where where uh, where can we get your book? Do you have any offers or or specials going on right now? It's, in, it's in number fact, one gonna, on Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be um, we're running a fifty percent off on the paperback, and oh. um, and that's going to be uh, that is on right now, uh, and it's oh. going to be and so it's going to be lasting for the next thirty days. Uh, and if it goes well, you know, so right now I haven't raised the price just because you told me that they, <laughs> that they sell for more, but after 30 days, I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're going to raise the price. And then, at, you know, but um, most of the people who have read Reconciliation know that it's a standalone book. You don't have to have the first book in order to understand what happened in the second book, but it sure helps. So um, that's the feedback I get from readers. So that's where I were adding, um, we're doing a two book package. And uh, awesome. that's, that's one of the things that I want to make sure that Amazon was able to do that. I just got uh, the confirmation today that uh, Amazon is going to allow us to run that promo. Nice, nice. 50% off. I like it. Great. Thank you. That's on the paperback. Yeah. Paperback is better than the ebook as far as i'm concerned so yeah i agree but it you know shipping it over shipping it is amazon's problem not mine 
Yeah, that's the nice. They do that well. They do that really well. Well, it's got a new hardback today. So, anyways, oh, so where can ahead. we reach you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the best best places to reach me are going to be through. Um, I monitor my Gmail Press email, so it's Carolyn at jmerrillpress.com. That's the easiest mm -hmm. way to reach me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm on Facebook. Uh, all you got to do is Carolyn Palmer Hartley. Palmer is my maiden name, Carolyn Palmer Hartley. Uh, and, um, you know, that'll get you to my Facebook. It'll get you to Instagram. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, uh, Carolyn P. Hartley at uh, oh. Instagram. So, you know, um, that's where I'm on Instagram quite a bit. And you got a website too, carolynhartleybooks.com. I do. I do. Excellent. That's it. That's a condition of, uh, you know, I'm starting to do some blogging on that one. Hmm. Uh, and Eric, let me tell you, blogging is, uh, it, you know, it's, it's something you have to put time, you have to set time aside for that. But um, you hmm. probably know that, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And then there's yes. blogging. And, um, but during the re doing the research, I found out so many cool things about coal mines. And the people who work in coal mines. So, you know, I'm going to start blogging a little bit about that as well. Yeah. And don't forget the salt mines. I was in the salt mine in Poland and they have a huge ballroom in the bottom of dancing 200 meters below the earth. And they have a ballroom and we had a swing dance event there. It was the most awesome time ever. And uh, that's in Poland. I can't say the name. But it's it's uh, south of Krakow, Poland. Oh boy, you got to go there if you like mines. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. All I right. Like well, yeah, it's great. It's been wonderful talking to you. We're going to have to do another one talking about the publishing industry and geeking out on other things. You know. Oh, I'd be happy to, Eric. You're fun. Okay. You're you're a great. It's a good. It's a good duet. You know, it's a good yeah. song and, you know, pushing back and forth. So thank you so much for letting me be. You're on. welcome. Thank you for persevering through the technology. And I, I look forward to seeing you again, talking to you again. Sounds great. All right. Thanks, okay. Eric. Okay, my friends, if you like that podcast, then remember to go to zbooks.co and go get all the materials to start your authoring career. We have a seven-day challenge every week, so there's no excuse to not finish your book. And remember, please go to iTunes and upvote this podcast and Google Play. Okay, I look forward to seeing you at the top.